right, well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to worship today. My name is Amanda Neppel. I'm one of the pastors here at the West Des Moines campus, and I'm just thrilled uh, to be hanging out with you this morning. Whether you are here in this room, whether you're joining us online, welcome. Again, it is no accident um, that you're joining us here today because we believe that God is up to something powerful today. I am thrilled to be here with you this weekend. There's a couple different reasons for that. Uh, Reason number one, it is a holiday weekend. That's exciting. And so some of you have an extra day off. For some of you, it's just a Monday or just a weekend, and I'm there with you on that as well. Uh, But that's fun for some folks. Uh, And then uh, I'm also glad that you're here today because we are kicking off a new sermon series. And today we are kicking off a series called Let Me Tell You a Story. And this is fun because each of the pastors gets to choose their text for the week. And so I chose Psalm 23. Yes, I do know that Psalm 23 is a poem and not a story. If you want to take that up with me later, you can. But we're going to dig into a little bit more about how Psalm 23 is actually a story of God's goodness. That's what we're going to spend our time on today. Uh, But mostly, I am so glad to see every one of you here today because we are gathered to serve, to worship our risen Savior, Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, I just cannot recommend Jesus strongly enough to each and every one of us, to myself, to you, no matter where you are, what your story is, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is the answer to the question. And in that, Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness, that the darkness can never extinguish. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the disappointments are, I think the longer we live on this world, we know that disappointments are going to come at us, but Jesus is there present in the middle of every single one of those things that we face. As I said, he is our light that shines in the darkness. The darkness can never extinguish it. Jesus is our future and our hope. And so as we come together today to worship him, I want you to just kind of keep that in the back of your mind that as we worship today, Jesus is the reason that we are here. Jesus is the reason that this place exists, the reason that all of us can gather. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself that, you know, you're on this continuum. I said, Jesus is the reason we're here. And you may be like, well, I'm not so sure about that. Because some of you are over here like, yes, there is absolutely no place I would rather be. And some of you are on the other side of this saying, to be honest, I came here against my will. And then somewhere in the middle, right? But Jesus meets every single one of us exactly where we are. And Jesus comes to us with his hand outstretched to us, not because he wants to give us something that then we have to carry around, that we have to deal with. But Jesus comes to us with his hand outstretched to us because of what Jesus wants to give us. And how if we are willing and able to power with Holy Spirit and say yes and grab onto Jesus' hand, that Jesus wants to draw us closer to him. That's what this this whole thing is all about. That's what we come together uh, to worship today and to celebrate. But I want to let you know, no matter what your story is, if you're not sure that you believe that, that's okay. I'm so glad that you're here. This room is full of people who are not, at one point or another, were not sure of what they believed. If they believed that Jesus was holding out his hand in invitation or if they believed that it was not for them, you're in good company. Many of us used to be you where you just weren't sure. I used to be you where I just wasn't sure. And what changed all of that was getting to know Jesus, who he really is. Not who somebody said he was, not who somebody wanted him to be, but getting to know the real, actual 
Jesus. And all that is asked of any of us is that we believe it. It's really, it's really pretty simple. There really isn't any fine print with that. And again, it's okay if you don't know where you are, but I want to let you know that actually Jesus may be a lot closer than you think. Because when we read in the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul writes that you were saved by his grace when you believed. And this is a gift. You cannot take credit for it so that none, no one can boast. In other words, no matter who you are, no matter what your story is, no matter what you came in here today with, no matter what you face when you leave here today, we all come before Jesus saved because we believed, period, end of story. The ground is level where we come to meet Jesus. Paul wrote an innumerable number of words about Jesus an innumerable number. He wrote, you can plumb the depths, you can dive into Jesus' love for us, you can swim in that ocean, and as far as you can try throughout your entire life, you will never even come anywhere near the border of it. You will never come anywhere near running out of love that Jesus has for you. Those are the types of things that Paul wrote about. He, he mined that well of Jesus' love and ultimately lands that God saved you by his grace. The ground is level is what I'm trying to say to you today as we come into this place. Jesus has his hand outstretched and welcome to you. And so as we dig in today to Psalm 23, the story of God's goodness, what we're going to be talking about, a couple of things. We're going to be talking about the truth that Jesus as son, Jesus, God the Father, God Holy Spirit are all in perfect unity on this. So if Jesus comes to us and we can understand Jesus with his hand outstretched to us, not to force us to carry a burden or to make us take anything on, but comes to us in invitation and in what he wants to give us, then God the Father comes to us in the exact same way. And King David, who wrote Psalm 23, he understood that. He experienced God the Father in that way. In that way such that God was meeting him exactly where he was and giving him exactly what he needed. David made ridiculous, bonkers, totally sideways kind of mistakes. And David experienced God's provision and his love and his heart for the world that God had created and for David specifically. And so that's what we're diving into today, this story of God's goodness. This sermon is going to be a little bit different from what you are used to uh, because we're going to go through Psalm 23 kind of verse by verse. And if we're lucky, we'll be out of here by about three this afternoon. Just kidding. Uh, that's not even remotely true. But we're going to go through Psalm 23 uh, kind of verse by verse and kind of dig into what that means for us. And that's not what we usually do here in a message. So I just want to let you know that's what we're doing today. And as you'll notice, there are folks who are in the aisles, uh, and they don't need to be told where the bathroom is. They are praying for you. They are praying for you. If you don't know when the last time was that someone prayed for you, I want you to know that today someone is praying for you. Someone is praying and interceding for you that you would hear God in a fresh way today. That the exact thing that you need, that God will meet you in that place and that you will experience him today. That's what they're praying for. They have a heart for prayer. They have a heart for you. They have a heart for God. They've gone through the training that we ask all of our prayer folks to pray, and they are here for you today. So if nothing else, know that today you're being prayed for. Okay, so let's dig in. Psalm 23, the first line. As I go through this, I'm going to ask you to read these with me. There's a really high chance that at some point I will forget to invite you to read it. So you can just read it anyway, okay, even if I forget to ask you. But here we go. Line number one. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I want you to do something for me. I want you to put your hand on your sternum here. 
And we're going to declare this again. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. One more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. In doing that, this becomes a declaration. It becomes a confession. It becomes a, a point of saying, like, I'm putting my flag in the sand here, and I am willing to declare that the Lord is my shepherd. Not any of the other things that I might want to be tempted to allow to be my shepherd. Not my boss, not my spouse, not my uh, kids, not any of those things. None of those people are my shepherd. I have unfortunately maybe let them be, but it is the Lord who is my shepherd. And this is really good news for us to declare this because here's the thing. Every single one of those other people, they are going to at one point or another be a huge disappointment. They will not be able to give you what you need. When we declare the Lord is my shepherd, then we are allowing the one who created the heavens and the earth the one who continues to hold all of this in the palm of his hands, the one whose power raised Jesus from the dead, that is who and what we are tapping into when we declare the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to think of that as because the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I have all that I need. <clears throat> because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. So not the things that I'm afraid of, not the ladder that I'm trying to climb, not gaining the approval of others, not being the most productive person in a meeting, any of those things, none of those things are my shepherd. Because if I'm trying to let what other people think of me be my shepherd, <laughs> I will never have all that I need, ever, 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 ever. Because the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I have all that I need. I want you to take a look at another word in this very first line. Because the Lord is my shepherd. King David knew that God knew him personally. He knew that he, God knew David intimately. He knew all of the things and knows all of the things about us. That the things that we delight in, the things that just annoy the daylights out of us, the inappropriate jokes that we laugh at, he knows if we like tomatoes or don't like tomatoes, any of those different types of things. The Lord is a very personal shepherd who created us and knows us inside out and backwards and forwards and comes to us in that space of knowing what our little quirks are and how best to communicate with us and how best to lead us and guide us. The Lord knows us and finds us exactly where we are and then stretches out his hand and invites us to take it invites us to allow him to be his shepherd. The deal with the donuts in that picture is when my kids were little, one of the things that we would do on Saturday mornings for fun, you know, is somebody would go get donuts. And everybody had their own preference. There was one kid who wanted a chocolate long john with sprinkles. Uh, there's one kid who wants a twist, cinnamon twist. There's one kid who wants a glazed donut. And then there's one kid who doesn't really like donuts at all and would prefer a bagel, thank you very much. Right? So you might, you might be thinking, and there were probably, unfortunately, a couple times where this happened, uh, where, you know, you just show up with a box of glazed and toss it on the counter and say, here you go, kids, you get what you get. Am I right? It's a donut. But the truth of the matter is this. God knows of that about you. If you like sprinkles, if you even prefer pink sprinkles, God knows that about you. If you would rather die than eat a sprinkle, God also knows that. God loves you personally, even way better than the parent 
who gets the donut for each kid based on their preferences. God knows exactly what you need and meets you exactly in that space. So the Lord, the one who set the universe in motion, the one uh, whose power raised Jesus from the dead, knows you intimately and personally, knows all the funky weird things about you and meets you exactly where you are because that's how he feels about you. That's how David knew God as his shepherd. Next line, say this together. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. So a couple of weeks ago, my husband and I celebrated our wedding anniversary. And to celebrate that, we went out to dinner. And the reservation was for a little bit later uh, than when we would usually eat dinner. I am a person of habit. And I like to eat when I like to eat. And so as we arrived at the restaurant, I'm commenting to my husband, I'm getting hungry. And he looks at me and he says, hungry or hangry? And I'm like, it could soon go either way. And so anyway, so uh, the server comes and takes our order. And as we're waiting, like, as I said, I'm hungry. So I'm sitting there tapping my fingers on the table. I'm messing with my silverware. I'm tapping my foot much as I am right now. I am on high alert. I am chugging my iced tea. I am chewing my ice cubes. There is no rest in my spirit whatsoever because we are approaching a very serious situation because I am hungry and I'm out of my habit, my pattern of what time I like to eat. So, you know, they come by with the tray and I'm looking, looking, oh no, it's not ours. Tap some more, look at, oh, finally it's ours, right? So I eat my meal, and you will find this hard to believe. I use my best self-control to not just shovel all this in to my face all at once. I use my best self-control. I finish with my meal, and lo and behold, I didn't even finish all of it. It was more, more than I can eat, which astonishes even me. And so I'm sitting there, but this time I've had my full, and I've still got more food sitting in front of me, but I don't want it. And so do you know what I did then? I kind of leaned back. I just relaxed. I just kind of chilled. There was, there was food there and I didn't want it. A sheep who was hanging out in a green meadow is in the middle of an all-you-can-eat buffet. And the sheep that's hanging out in the all-you-can-eat buffet, laying down, taking a nap, there's only one reason why that would happen, and that's because the sheep is completely full and completely satisfied. The same way that this is why the sheep can be led beside a peaceful stream and not stop to drink at it, because the sheep is not thirsty. In fact, the sheep doesn't even want a drink, even when faced with the opportunity. And do you know what I think? I think it would have been enough if David had just said that the Lord takes him to the best meadows, that the Lord takes him to the best springs and lets him have his fill. Honestly, wouldn't that have been enough? But David goes even a step further and says, the Lord lets me rest in this place of abundance. The Lord takes me to this place where I can have my fill, but guess what? I don't have to leave right away. I can just hang out there for as long as I want and just explore and look around and take in the provision and the love and the mercy and the grace, I just can drink it all in and take a look for as long as I want. This is how David understood God to be to him, to be a God of abundance and a God of just extravagance, just over-the-top extravagance. So we continue on to the next verse then. Read this with me. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. So if we take what we've learned so far about the shepherd, we've learned a couple of things. We've learned that the Lord is our shepherd, 
the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, is our shepherd, knows us intimately and personally, takes us to a place of abundance, lets us just hang out there for fun, doesn't kick us out or move us along for the next person, but just lets us have delight with him and experience him and just allow him to pour into us and and to remind us of who we are to him and how much he loves us. And this is the shepherd who, in doing all of those things, renews our strength. You'll see other uh, versions uh, that will say he restores my soul. To be honest, I kind of like restores my soul better, but restores my soul, renews my strength. You get the idea. This is how David experienced God. And, And make no mistake, as I said earlier, when we believe in Jesus, we are saved, period. And the invitation goes deeper than that. We get to say, Jesus, I allow you I invite you to be my shepherd. And because I'm inviting Jesus to be my shepherd, because through the power of God's work in me and the power of God's Holy Spirit, I've agreed to let the Lord be my shepherd. And when I agree that the Lord is my shepherd, then I find this restoration and this renewal that none of the other things that I have been allowing to be my shepherd can offer. There is no rest when we are wanting our productivity or the number of things that we get done in a week to be our shepherd. There is literally no rest. It is incompatible. When we are letting other people's approval of us be our shepherd, there is no rest there. It's because the Lord, (laughs) nothing else but the Lord is our shepherd. That's when we are brought into this place of rest and this place of renewal and our souls being strengthened. In allowing the Lord to be our shepherd, he guides us along right paths. He takes us where we need to go, and he brings us rest in that place. If you've ever met someone who has gone through something really difficult or has had a series of difficult things that they've dealt with, and you've talked to them and you hear their story, and you think to yourself, oh my goodness, I had no idea what you were going through because the way they were, have been handling their life, you look at it and you think, if that were me, would I be able to deal with these things with half the grace that this person is? Maybe you've encountered somebody like that. And if you get to know them, if you get to learn what's underneath all of that, most of the time you will hear a story of someone who has allowed the Lord to be their shepherd. They aren't walking through these things with grace and humility because of their strength, because we don't have it. They are walking through their difficult times with grace and humility because as much as they are able to do so, they have said, Lord, you are my shepherd. Which leads us into the next line of this psalm. I invite you to say this with me. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. What I love about this is that David doesn't say of the shepherd, why did you bring me here? (laughs) David doesn't say of the shepherd, How soon till we're done with this? David doesn't say, shepherd, I demand that you show me the bright side right now. I demand that you show me the light at the end of the tunnel. That is not what David says of the good shepherd. David understands that if there is a valley to be gone through, it's it's going to be gone through. And you can choose if you're going to do it with the shepherd or without. But David says, the shepherd, my shepherd is close beside me. And because my shepherd, the Lord who knows me intimately and personally is my shepherd, even as I walk through this valley, 
Even as I walk through these difficult things, we spent the whole month of June talking about when life gets tough and what those circumstances and what those situations are. David is declaring, even when life gets tough, even when everything is closing in on me, I will not be afraid because my shepherd is close beside me. And not only that, my shepherd has the tools for the job, the rod and the staff. The rod and the staff are the, uh, the things that the shepherd use in, uses in a variety of ways to care for the sheep. The good shepherd has the tools for the job. Now, if we are allowing ourselves to be our shepherd and our own abilities and our own capacity and our own brains uh, and our tools to be our good shepherd, they are going to come up short real fast. We are going to get to the end of our rope before we even know that we're hanging on, right? But when the Lord is our shepherd, the Lord has the exact tools and provides to us the exact tools that we need. When, when we are faced with incredible disappointment, incredible heartache, despair, whatever the case may be, we know that we worship a risen Savior. We can look at the tool of the cross. We can remember how he went there and died for us, for us so that there would be nothing, nothing at all that could stand between us and eternity with our heavenly Father. If there is any tool for the job that we need, friends, I'm pretty sure that's it. There is nothing that we deal with in our life, not on this side of heaven, not in hell uh, below, not anywhere that can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ on the cross, through his death and his resurrection. Our good shepherd has the tools for the job. We don't need to be afraid because he is close beside. The Lord is our shepherd. We have all that we need. Next one. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. There was a time in my life where I would read this psalm. And uh, when I was little, my, one of my grandmothers spent a lot of time at her house. And she had her Bible open to the 23rd Psalm. And it would be the King James Version a lot of times. So I do have this Psalm memorized, but it's a mashup of NLT, NIV, and then King James just thrown in for fun. Uh, so anyway, so, but I, when I think of this Psalm, I think of my grandmother and I think of the way I used to think about David in this place at this feast. And when I had less of an understanding of what was going on here, I would imagine David in this place where he is on the right side. He is on the side of doing what God wants. He is on the side where he's gotten his ducks enough in a row that he's able to say, God, you and me, we're like this. And all my enemies, of which there are plenty, King David had many, many enemies, are just sitting around starving and hungry. I am enjoying this feast that you have given me. And so just neener, neener, neener to all of my enemies. Stinks to be you. I can understand how that happens, and that's not what David is talking about here. We're going to unpack that for just a second. But the thing that I think that I, that I see, I think there are a lot of Christians who honestly would say that what's most important is being on the right side of whatever it is, being on the right side. And when I'm on the right side, then God will bless me. God, my cup will overflow, will overflow. God will see how wonderful I am, will select me for some amazing task. <clears throat> and then everybody else is just too bad for them. They'll have a chance to get it right. None of my business, not my problem. And I think there are too many Christians who believe that based on the way, unfortunately, too many Christians behave. 
<clears throat> but what if that isn't what this is about at all? <laughs> what if when David talks about the feast prepared for him and the presence of his enemies is actually just a symbol of the goodness and the extravagance and the abundance that God has given to him, that God has showered on him. And David understands, if I'm sitting in the middle of an all-you-can-eat buffet, I don't get to just tell my enemies too bad. I have to invite my enemies into this so that they can experience this abundance that God has for them as well. That's actually what I'm called to do. When my cup overflows with blessings, I'm called to invite those who I might call my enemies into this place. It's interesting to me because we think that Jesus came on the scene in the New Testament and did something totally new by saying, uh, forgive your enemies, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. When Jesus took the Sermon on the Mount and he said, it's not enough just to not kill somebody. If you're harboring anger and resentment, you're still breaking that commandment. We think that this is a new thing that Jesus did, but Jesus as the Son, along with Father and Holy Spirit, have always been on the same page. And that's how David knew God. David knew God the Father as the one who says, it's not enough to just not kill somebody. David understood that in God's provision for him was actually his provision for the whole world. He didn't get to hold it to himself. He didn't get to insist that he was on the right side and everybody else was on the wrong side. It was for sharing and inviting others into this goodness that God has for the world that he created. There are a million and a half things to get our dander up about. There are a million and a half ways and arguments that we could have, but at the end of the day, the feast has been pre prepared in the presence of our enemies so that they would experience God's goodness. When we talk about people who we might consider our enemy, I think there are two different groups that we talk about. The first group that we might talk about would fall into the category of people who don't know Jesus. <clears throat> we can't expect, we can't expect people who don't know Jesus to act like they do. And to insist that people who don't know Jesus act like they do does not honor them. It does not meet them where they are. It's giving them a chocolate long john when all they really want is a bagel. It does not honor them. So we can't expect people who don't know Jesus who act like they do. So when we're considering these people as someone, I'm using the term enemies just to refer to anyone who doesn't agree with us. Because remember, Jesus used the term neighbor and en enemy interchangeably when he talked about uh, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan. So I'm talking about when I say enemy, anyone who doesn't necessarily agree with us. So we've got this group of people over here who don't know Jesus. And if we are people who do, then one of our first and foremost, foremost uh opportunities is to invite them into this banquet, right? Invite them into this abundance. In the meanwhile, we're over here with the other folks who would say that, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. Unfortunately, too many of us are way too busy taking people who are our brothers and sisters in Christ, by the way, and we would rather fight about the things that we don't agree on. And when we do that, we we get way down in the weeds. This goes sideways so fast. And then we end up forgetting that the person who we are yelling at is also a person who believes and knows that Christ died for them. When we are declaring the Lord is my shepherd and we're getting in an argument with someone else who says the same thing and we are insisting on being right, we are just dividing the kingdom of heaven. We are doing nothing of any benefit to anyone in this place and time. And when you've got the people over here who don't know if they know Jesus, who are watching those of us over here who declare that the 
the Lord is our shepherd and all we can do is beat each other, beat each other up and tear each other down and refuse to listen, how exactly is this attractive to the person standing over here? I can't imagine it for a second. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Because we're family. We're family. <laughs> Families are something else. They are something else. You don't get to choose them. I've got uh, uh, four kids, and you know their donut preferences, but um, the oldest one, anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're, we're all four, all six of us, my husband and I and our four kids, are all under the same roof this summer uh, for the first time since COVID. So it's been a minute. So I've got these couple of these kids who have gone off to college who, <laughs> if this is possible, got even smarter in college and know even more about the world than when they left. <laughs> and so now we're all under the same roof again, and we're all figuring out how to navigate with one another, right? And this has not necessarily been the easiest thing I have ever done. There are times as the six of us come together and figure out how to be family, uh, you know, under the same roof again, there are times when, frankly, it would be a lot easier if I could just say, this is how we're doing it. This is how we're doing it because I am right, so get on board. Right? That would be so much better because I'm pretty good at what I do, actually. I got a pretty good idea of what's going on. But do you know that they don't necessarily want to do that? And weirdly, something about laying down the law, at least in my house, demanding how things go, doesn't actually work very well at all. <clears throat> for the, our brothers and sisters in Christ, for those who would declare that the Lord is their shepherd. For those that, that say that is true of them, we are family. We are family. We can be on either side of any issue, and I couldn't care less what the issue actually is. And you can have very strong opinions. I want to tell you something right now. You might even be right. You might. But do you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because you will never get someone to hear you if they think you're trying to change their mind. You will never get someone to care about what you are saying to think that you might be right if you are trying to force it down their throat. You might be right. Doesn't matter. Here's how we know if whatever the thing is has become our shepherd. Because when we look at this person who we have set in our mind as our enemy, this person who doesn't agree with what we agree. So it's a pretty broad definition of enemy, but this is what we fall into. It's pretty easy to do. When we look at this person who doesn't agree with us, and when we decide, I would rather have the feast and not share with them. I would rather that they not get to participate in God's abundance. I would rather that they only get to participate if they agree with me. If that's what's in our heart, then I say this to you respectfully because I love you. Then whatever that issue is has become your shepherd and it will never satisfy. Never, ever, ever. It does not have the tools for the job to satisfy your soul, to renew your soul, even if you're right. <clears throat> Humility, being willing to listen, engaging in a conversation, even if you don't get to say your two cents worth, even if it changes nothing, when 
the Lord is our shepherd, we do this with humility and we do this with the understanding that the person sitting across from us, Jesus died for them too. Maybe they don't know it. Maybe they don't believe it. Maybe they do know it. Maybe they just don't act like it. But Jesus died for them. He went to the cross for them. Jesus prepared a table in the presence of those who would become his enemy. He didn't think twice about it. David knew that of God as well. Okay, last one. Say this with me. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Imagine if we were to take all of these things, all of these truths about the Lord and his goodness and his holiness and his mightiness and his provision and his care and how he knows us intimately and personally and how he restores us and gives us exactly what we need and how he leads us into rest when we agree that, yes, the Lord is our shepherd. What if we were to take all of this and actually say yes to it in our day-to-day lives? Because I think if we were to do that, we could agree with David. Surely your goodness and unfailing love is pursuing me hand outstretched not standing back here waiting to invite you to the banquet when you get it all figured out but goodness and mercy is pursuing me like the father in the parable of the lost son pursuing looking running out to meet us knowing exactly what we need this is abundant life this is the life that we have in Jesus this side of heaven now and this eternal life that we look forward to with him in God's presence forever and forever. When we allow the Lord to be our shepherd, this crazy thing happens where our life becomes incredibly more abundant. When something else has become our shepherd, that's when our lives feel really small. That's when they feel like they're not working. That's when our lives feel like maybe we can't understand what all this is for when something else besides the Lord has become our shepherd. This week, uh, I was supposed to be I was supposed to be in the Boundary Waters Monday through Friday of this week uh, with some of you uh, who are here this morning as well, and that didn't totally work out for us. And what happened was the folks who run Wilderness Canoe Base where we were going, uh, they got a hold of us on Sunday night and said, hey, our whole staff has COVID, and so we're not going to be able to have you come. (laughs) We don't have any staff to support you. And we were thinking like, well, we're capable women. Just show us where the food is and we'll be fine, right? But no, alas. So I knew that I was, I anticipated that I was going to be gone this whole week, Monday through Friday. I knew that I was preaching this weekend. I knew that I was going to preach on Psalm 23. And I really truly thought that I would spend the whole week leading up until this weekend, like meditating on this Psalm and having a whole new experience with it and experiencing God in a whole new way because I was completely removed from all the distractions that I had. And all of the people who had signed up for this trip, the 53 other people who were going, they also wanted that same thing to be removed from all of the distractions, to allow God's face to speak, right? And doesn't this seem like a really good thing? Doesn't this seem like a really good thing to do and to set aside time for? And yet still, ways that I don't understand, for every single one of us who thought that sounded like a good idea, the rug just completely got pulled out from underneath of us. And so there was many of us that were lamenting like, why, oh, now I've lost this opportunity. I've lost this chance to connect with God. This is not going to be what I thought it was going to be. This is not going to be what I wanted it to be. And I had a particular heartache uh, as the person who had kind of planned the whole thing, who had kind of set all of it up. My particular heartache was my particular point of anger, honestly, where I was kind of, God and I were wrestling 
I was yelling, basically whatever. But I'm just like, God, nobody knows how much work went into this. Nobody knows. Nobody knows all the blood, sweat, and tears that went into just getting us to this point. And I, you guys, I'm really good at throwing a party. And if you need a pity party, I am really good at it. I was throwing myself a very good one. Just over and over and over again, oh God, nobody knows how much work this was. And thinking to myself, right, as I'm believing this lie that nobody knows, it allows me to isolate myself. It allows me to believe that I'm a victim. It allows me to believe that God has forsaken me. All of this, when I'm like, nobody knows. It allows me to step into that space. And this whole time I'm kind of pitching a fit in my head. And honestly, there are a few folks, uh, bless their hearts, who saw Pastor Amanda not as the calm, cool, collected woman you see up front today. (laughs) Saw me when I was having a minute. Um, But as I'm continuing to pitch my fit, mostly in my head, there's this like kind of tap on my shoulder and it's really annoying. And I'm just ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it. As I'm continuing to say, Nobody knows. Finally, I pay attention to that little tap on my shoulder and that voice that was trying to get my attention was Jesus saying, I do. I know. And it was this incredible thing where once I then was reminded that Jesus knew, it kind of changed the whole perspective. Because all of a sudden now I wasn't alone. And all of a sudden now, this week that looked like a disappointment turned into an opportunity, and the weirdest thing, (laughs) the weirdest thing, I ended up having a pretty good week, you know? And I think most of the reason I had a pretty good week, all things considered, was because I was leaning into Psalm 23 every single day. I thought I was gonna be leaning into Psalm 23 as I hiked through the woods or on a canoe, but instead I'm just, Meditating on Psalm 23 as I'm walking in my neighborhood or doing my planks and trying to get through it as fast as possible so I can put my knees down, whatever the case may be, right? But I was meditating on the words of Psalm 23. And in the middle of that, God showed up in that space as God would do. Because the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord who knows exactly what we need meets us exactly where we are whether it's on a mountaintop, whether it's in a valley, meets us exactly where we are and knows exactly what we need. That's the way God loves us. So as we close today, um, before we get to communion, I want to invite you into a time of prayer. And we are going to uh, just, I'm going to pray the words of Psalm 23 over you, um, give you an opportunity to think of some of the things that are going on in your life and give you an opportunity to lift those up to God, to turn those over to God. And after we do that, then we'll head into communion. So I invite you to close your eyes. Just calm your spirit. Take a deep breath and, and think to yourself, the Lord is my shepherd. Let that breath out. I have all that I need. We'll do that again. Breathe in. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Lord, you see us and you know us and you bring us to the place of your abundance. You bring us into your extravagance, a place where there is no such thing as scarcity, Lord. And you invite us into this place. You let us have our fill and then you let us play. So Lord, now as we come before you, We lift up something that we're thankful for. We lift up something that you have done for us, a blessing you have given us. 
We remember a time when you made a way when it didn't seem like there was a way. Lord, in that remembering, we are reminded of who you are. In remembering the blessings you've given us, our strength is restored, our souls are renewed. Lord, we declare, we, we put our flag in the sand and we declare, Lord, that you are our shepherd. And when you are our shepherd, you will lead us exactly to the, to the place that we need to be. And so, Lord, all those things that are in our heart that are resisting, Lord, we ask that you just put your hand on them. Just quiet us and allow us to declare that you, Lord, are our shepherd. You will guide us along right paths. Lord, in the things that we deal with, the situations that we go through where we have to go through the valley, Lord, we're reminded that you are with us, Lord, and we ask that for those of us who are feeling up against it today, Lord, would you just make your presence abundantly known? Would you meet us in that valley where we are, Lord? Would you remind us that you have the tools for the job? Lord, for those of us who have been using tools that aren't cut out for it, those of us that have been trying to get through the valley on our own, on our own strength, our own abilities, whatever the case may be, Lord, would you help us give those over to you? We confess in the ways that we have let something else be our shepherd. We give that over to you, God, and we accept the tools that you have for us. We accept the cross and the work there of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we continue on through our week, when we meet the people who we do not agree with, when we meet the people who see things differently than we do, Lord, first of all, may we be a light to those who don't know you. May we bring honor to your name in the things that we say and do. Lord, in the places where our hearts are hard, Lord, would you soften them? Lord, when we think of the people now who we don't really want to share with them, Lord, would you help us get to the place where at least we can say, Lord, I don't know if I want to, but Lord, give me the feeling to want to. God, for those who pray that prayer today, to ask you to help them to feel it, to ask them to help them to want to, Lord, I pray that you come swiftly to their, to their rescue and to their help. Lord, we thank you that in you is mercy and blessings and love and goodness and extravagance and not just everything we need, but more so. So we say yes to you today, God, and we say yes to the promises you have for us all the days of our life until we see you again in eternity. We lift all this up in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. We're gonna close today with this extravagant meal. Hmm. Calorie-wise, it ain't nothing. But in terms of extravagance, there is nothing that demonstrates more the over-the-top love that God has for each and every one of us. Jesus gathered in the presence of some people who would be his enemy, and he loved them. And he took the bread and he broke it, and he passed it out to them, and he said, this is my body, broken for you, for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup and he lifted it up and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Remember me whenever you drink it. I'll invite the communion servers to come forward and we will continue uh, with praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray and the words will be on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The ushers will guide you uh, to the nearest station. If you would benefit from an allergy-free station, just let your usher know and they will point you in the right direction. The table is set. Come and eat.